This sermon was recorded at Christ Church Overland Park, a congregation that seeks to be a people fully alive in God's kingdom. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply you may go, the demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Good morning. As I mentioned at the beginning of the service today, we are joining Anglican churches across the United States and across Canada in observing what is known as World Mission Sunday. And uh, on this day, we remember that we're part of a global church. Uh, in fact, many of you know this, some of you may not. Um, in the Anglican movement worldwide, a majority of us are not located here in the United States or England or even Europe. Most live in the global south. And so we celebrate today that we are part of something you know, much larger uh, than just our church here in Kansas City. It is a big, diverse community that we're a part of. And I love that about uh, belonging to this global expression of Christ's body, the church. We also reflect today on God's heart for the whole world, for every nation and culture. And this mission and this calling that Jesus has for his church to go and to share good news and to make disciples in ways that cross cultural and ethnic boundaries. So today in the sermon, you know, it's a little bit different in, in some ways, but I want to try to do three things. I want to reflect on God's heart for mission from our gospel reading today. I want to share about how we as a church are trying to live into that mission globally, particularly through our partnerships. And finally today, I want to invite us to consider how we might be involved, you know, how you might be involved as an individual and how we as a church can join in. So first, let's, let's explore God's heart for mission. Um, this passage in Mark 7 at first glance is uh, it's a pretty odd and even difficult passage. So I want to set a little context for us, okay? Just before our passage today, where Jesus has that interaction uh, with the Syrophoenician woman that Beth just read for us, uh, there's an interaction between Jesus and some Pharisees. Some Pharisees from Jerusalem, which, by the way, was about 76 miles away from where Jesus was at this point, had come to presumably observe and scrutinize Jesus. That's a long trip. That's high commitment, right? 76-mile journey. And scrutinized they did. Jesus' disciples uh, were eating food without first following the purity rules of ceremonial washing. And the Pharisees caught them in this, and they accused his disciples of being defiled. 
And so Jesus uses this interaction as a teaching moment. In fact, he lays into the Pharisees pretty heavily. He calls them hypocrites. He reminds them and his disciples that purity is not primarily about the outside. It's about the inside. What defiles is not food going into the stomach, but what flows out from the heart. And it says in that passage, early in Mark 7, that Jesus was declaring all foods to be clean. That's a big deal. In other words, purity is not defined by the food you eat and therefore by the uh, ethnic or religious background that you have, but rather by the responsiveness of your heart to God's grace. When Jesus declares all foods clean, it's not just a commentary about food. (laughs) It's also about people. And that brings us to our passage today. After this clash with the Pharisees about what is pure and impure, Jesus goes to Tyre on the coast of the Mediterranean. Now Tyre, uh, that's important geographical location because Tyre was Gentile territory. So immediately after this interaction with the Pharisees, Jesus goes to this place to be among people that many Jews despised and saw as defiled, as unclean, religiously inferior. But Jesus goes there on purpose. He crosses cultural, religious, ethnic, and geographical boundaries. And when he gets there, he finds that, you know, the Pharisees who were insiders and didn't get it, Here is this outsider who totally gets it. (laughs) She's a woman, Syrophoenician, an indicator of her ethnicity. She is Greek, which tells us that she is not an observant Jew. She's a Gentile and is outside the faith. And finally, she has a daughter who has an unclean spirit and needs to be healed. She finds Jesus. She boldly approaches him falls at his feet, and begs him to heal her daughter. So if you think about the previous debate with the Pharisees that I described, this woman is the epitome of all that they would have called unclean in almost every way. She is a woman, she's a Gentile, a foreigner, and her daughter's an outcast. (laughs) And yet, how does Jesus respond? He heals her daughter. Well, it's not that simple, (laughs) And this is where things get kind of weird and strange in this passage because we're like, what, Jesus? (laughs) Because when she asks him to heal her daughter, he doesn't say no, but he also doesn't immediately say yes. He says, and I think we have the words of this text, first, let the children eat all they want, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. (laughs) Lord, She replies, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And then Jesus tells her, for such a reply, you may go. And her daughter is healed. Now, you may be thinking, along with me, this is our text for World Mission Sunday. (laughs) Jesus calls a Gentile woman in crisis a dog. Pretty inspiring, right? (laughs) Well, this is a challenging word uh, to hear from the lips of Jesus, no doubt. And it is a reminder, or it should be for us, that when we read Scripture, any Scripture, we're dealing with an ancient text 
with language and cultural realities that are far removed from our own. Most commentators agree that in Jesus' phrase here that uh, the children at the table is Israel and the little dogs are the rest of the people of the earth, which this woman represents. But interpreters have certainly wrestled with approaches to this seemingly offensive statement from Jesus. Maybe Jesus was quoting an ancient proverb or a saying, you know, a popular saying, and uh, he knew that it might draw out a response from her. I mean, it does feel like there might be a little bit of playful banter in this conversation. And maybe he's drawing out from her a response, perhaps a response of faith. Some commentators say the reference to dog here is not referring to a, a wild dog that roams the streets, which is what comes to my mind, but rather like the family puppy that's under the table, you know. And so a better translation might be, puppy instead of dog, kind of softening the blow a little bit of Jesus' words. Truth is, we may not fully be able to know Jesus' motives here, uh, but I, I want to remind us that we shouldn't miss the larger purpose of why the gospel writer Mark included this story in the passage, because he's taking the story somewhere by including it. By saying, first, let the children eat. Jesus is expressing that his primary calling was to minister to the Jewish people. I mean, he says that very clearly in Matthew chapter 15, that that was his mission. He came for the people of Israel. It was to announce the coming of the kingdom of God so that it would renew and restore and bless God's covenant people. But, and this is where the Syrophoenician woman's witty response and her Faith is so important that that blessing that Jesus came to bring was never meant to be just for Israel. It was never just for insiders. It was to spill over off the table and bless the entire world. Ultimately, God's mission is for all people, and it always has been. I mean, I love our reading from Psalm 67. If you've ever wondered if Mission is just in the New Testament, like the Great Commission or something, and it's not in the Old. Well, read again. Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. There it is. God's mission has always been to bless a people and send them into the world to be a blessing. Jesus embodies this in his own life. He embodied it in the calling of his 12 disciples. And he does so in his interaction with this woman as he affirms her faith and heals her daughter. This story, I think, is a preview of what takes place later in history, in the book of Acts, we see it. The gospel explodes throughout the world. It crosses cultural boundaries and people of different races and languages and cultures are brought into the kingdom of God and they're given a seat at the table as fellow children of God. Family. God's family. I think this story is also meant to alert us to our calling as the church, as the family of God, to 
have this posture in the world, having received from Christ, we are to cross boundaries and announce that there is a place at God's table for all people. This conviction is why we seek to join God's mission in Kansas City, right where we are, to equip us to be the body of Christ in the world. But it's also why we have this deep commitment around the world. And uh, let me just share a little bit about our global partnerships for just a moment. Because I think some amazing things have happened for many years, but are happening right now. Christ Church has two international partners. Uh, one is in northern Uganda, and I think we have some photos here from that region of the world. And uh, the other partnership is in Honduras. And in both of these partnerships, we're joined in ministry with strong local churches and leaders. In Honduras, you know, we partner with the Lamb Institute, who works with at-risk children and youth through education and caretaking and spiritual care and holistic community development. It's a remarkable organization, Lamb Institute. In Uganda, as you see here, we're part of the Northern Uganda Partnership which is a joint effort between us, Christ Church, between uh, St. Francis Chapel in Kampala and the Diocese of Northern Uganda. And that partnership is primarily focused on developing clergy and churches there. So Christ Church helps fund work in both of these places. We build structures for their ministries. We support their staff, which are mostly indigenous leaders. In addition to financial support, though, we take these short-term trips that foster long-term relationships. Some of the relationships we have have spanned many, many years. And when we go, we're able to support good work that's being done by the local church there. You know, the people that go on these trips, they are transformed by them. When they go, they worship and they serve next to these indigenous leaders. We send teams each year to these places to participate in their work, to learn from them, and to encourage them in their ministry. And I, I just want to kind of state right up front here today that I know that there are some fair critiques about churches that do these kinds of trips. You know, I'm aware of that. We're all aware of that. But I also want to say I think we, we try very intentionally to work hard on our posture as a church when it comes to these kinds of relationships. In both of these uh, partnerships, we go to serve and we, we go to give what we have, but you know, we also go to receive from the gifts that our partners have to give us. We really truly believe that we have this calling to share mutually in the gifts of the kingdom and to enjoy what the kingdom offers to all of us and to share in that together. Today we get to hear a little bit about how these partnerships affect uh, the people of our church. And so I want to invite my friend Sarah Hartman uh, to come up. Sarah is a longtime member here of Christ Church. Uh, she has a real heart for um, mission. I think that would be fair to say. Uh, she served globally and she actually lived and worked in Uganda for a while. Um, Sarah, come on up. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, I want to ask you this first question, you know, think back to the, when you were invited to go to a trip like this, uh, what was it that made you say yes to that invitation? I should start by giving a context that I grew up in a small town, and we did, that small town church supported a lot of missionaries from all around the world, 
and those people would come and tell their stories and they would have all kinds of just adventures, et cetera. And I remember being a, a young child sitting in the pews praying that God would never ask me to go on a mission <laughs> trip because it sounded so uncomfortable. And I like, I don't like weird food. I like sleeping in my own bed. Um, fast forward all these years later and I've said yes to a lot of mission opportunities over the years. And this one for Honduras came up, and normally that trip is in the fall, but it's a terrible time for my job. So this was in the summer. And then this trip involves a lot of teenagers, and I love kids. So it was an opportunity to go and see what God is doing at the Lamb Institute along some of my favorite people and through the eyes of teenagers. And I was like, this is like, duh. It's the easiest, yes. So I had to go. So glad you're going. Yeah, me too. Uh, what's something, and, you know, thinking back to your times of serving uh, globally, what are some of the things you've learned from the people there uh, that you've served with and yet you've met? I think from my time in Uganda, I haven't been to Honduras yet, um, that relationships are central. I think we think that they're central here, but they're not necessarily central for survival. I think here we can Uber ourselves to the airport or DoorDash food to ourselves when we're sick, but there, um, your survival is literally dependent on your neighbor and your family. And I think it's a perspective I wish we had more of here. Mm -hmm. Last question for you is, you know, thinking back again over um, the many times you've served and traveled in these kinds of partnerships, how would you say or describe how you've been formed um, spiritually formed even through these experiences? What has it done to you? I think from, I think back about my relationships with my Ugandan friends, again, that's where I've spent a lot of my international time, that they were, still are focused on what's here today. And I naturally am a person that's always thinking about the future um, or saving up for retirement or any of those things. But I think um, what I've realized, especially as I've entered my 40s, is that uh, life is short and uh, what God has placed in front of us are the people and your family and the relationships that are so central. And to show up to those things is something I wanna be awake to. I don't wanna miss out on because I'm so focused on the comforts of our incredibly blessed life here that I am thankful for. But I think my Ugandan friends have taught me God has things for us today, and that's who we need to respond to, and that's what we need to say yes to. Love it. Thank you so much. Thanks for sharing. Well, as we bring this to a close this morning, I want to invite you to consider what God might be calling you uh, to do. And in addition to praying for our partners and praying for the people that will go on these trips this year to Uganda and Honduras, I want to invite you to do two things. Number one, I want to invite you to consider making a special gift to our mission scholarship fund. This was set up, uh, you know, a couple years ago after our Bring Life to Others campaign. Some money was set aside just to create this amazing scholarship fund to try to help more people be able to have the kinds of experiences that Sarah just described. Uh, and so uh, if you'd like to make a gift to that today, all undesignated money, 
today given in our gathering will go into that fund. You can, of course, designate money to that fund, and there will be a link in the Monday email if you want to give online, and that's our mission scholarship fund. The second way I would just invite you to consider um, responding is to think about going on a trip. We have opportunities coming up both in Uganda and in Honduras this, this year, later this summer and in the fall. And uh, on February 18th, um, our director of outreach, Ryder Mills, is going to host a Zoom conversation uh, just to give you an overview of our trips. And uh, you can just learn. There's, there's nothing, there's no commitments at that point. You can just learn about the trips and how we do them and what to expect and that kind of thing. Um, you can also chat with someone in the connections room after the service uh, today. So I want to invite you just to think about that. God has a heart for his world. God is ascending God. He sent his son. He sent his spirit. He sends his church. And he's still sending his people to do what he has called us to do in the world, to join him in his mission. Amen.